and welcome to the Improv Teachers. I know it's been a while. I'm excited to get this episode out to you guys. Uh, this time I actually sat down with Paul Valancourt, who has been a guest on our show before. Paul is the, uh, the director and founder of Revolution Theater. He also founded IO West when it first opened. When it first opened up, uh, he studied with Del Close and... He's been doing improv for a long time, and as you all know, a mentor and friend of mine. Uh, But I did ask him to sit down this time to talk about improvised movie. The movie form is so much fun. It's not taught that often, at least not where I am. I get to teach it. I teach it maybe once a year, and every time we go to teach it, it fills up real fast. People really enjoy it. It's really accessible. I wanted to sit down and talk about teaching improvised movie because Paul's been doing that for so long. So it's a really fun episode. There's some great tips in there as usual. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, here we go. Thanks so much for listening to the Improv Teachers. Hi. All right. So we're going to talk improvised movie today is what we're going to talk about. Teaching improvised movie. Uh, So do we want to start with like an overview of what, I mean, I always feel like the title's pretty self-explanatory. It's a movie and it's improvised. Yeah, I did, but I don't know if we want to go, if you if you have like a, do you have a say, like an elevator pitch that you give for it? I usually tell people that the improvised movie is, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's kind of um, just basically performing on stage a movie, everything, kind of what I say in my in, when I introduce the show. It's everything you would see in a Hollywood blockbuster movie, improvised live on stage right before your very eyes. Camera, camera angles, character, special effects, plot, all that stuff improvised right before your very eyes. So that's kind of what I feel like the the mission is of, of the class and of the show and you know, I sort of get everyone on the same page. Here's what we're going to be watching. Here's what we're going to be doing. And um, that seems to, that seems to kind of get it all across. Right. Uh, So you've been teaching movie for a long time, right? Like I started back in Chicago when I was my very first teaching job at the IO in Chicago was uh, I inherited Matt Besser's level three class when he went off to New York and I was teaching the deconstruction and the improvised movie. No, I was going to say, did you know then that, like, that was your form when you started teaching it? Or did you know before that? Um, I kind of knew before that when we, um, when the family was sort of not disbanding, but sort of not really operating as an entity that much anymore because some of the guys had gotten into Second City and some of the guys were sort of, like, going to do other stuff, like the movie kind of was there was something that they had invented with Dell. And so kind of, it was kind of up for grabs. Like we were teaching it as part of the curriculum, but there wasn't really any other teams, I think doing it. So my team, which was the tribe and then bitter Noah um, picked it up and started doing it. And I really loved it. And so I thought it was super fun and it was, um, we did it in Chicago for a while. Then we did it at the Aspen Comedy Festival for HBO. And then I sort of brought it out here. And it was like one of the forms that we opened the new theater with. We were doing the Herald and the improvised movie. Um, so I've had, I have a long history with the movie. I, I yeah, I, I loved it right from the very beginning because I love movies. So it was like, it made all the sense in the world to me, like right out of the gate. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Why, why, why would you not do that? Teaching movie. Um, was I like I I thought it was going to be easier than it is to teach it and I think it's deceptively simple 
if that uh, makes sense. And 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 I'm trying to like break down why I think it's uh, difficult to teach. And I think it's, I mean, I not difficult. I mean, like I know exactly like the steps I want to go through and stuff. But I think it's because there's working through so many different. You're taking so many different things to the table than you do in like a regular improv class. And so it's retraining improvisers to start looking at their scenes in a very different way is what I think is going on when I'm teaching. I definitely think that's part of it for sure. And I also think that part of it is you're teaching this form, but I think you're also teaching a sensibility. You know what I'm saying? What is the improvised movie sensibility? Because I think the part where people get drawn in um, to a trap is when they try to make it like hot shots or scary movie. You know what I'm saying? They try to make it a parody of a movie. And I think that's, I don't think that's our strongest cards. And I, I go over this time and again with my class of just saying it's not hot shots. It's not scary movie. It's not any of that stuff. I said, if you want to look for a reference, look at, hot fuzz or look at Shaun of the dead. Like that's much more what we're trying to do. It's an homage to movies rather than a parody of movies. And also the people within the movie need to be, need to take it seriously and need to sort of play it seriously. If they're, if they're being goofy in the movie, like in the actual playing of the scenes, then I feel like it starts to unravel really quickly. I sort of articulated this to my class the other day. Sort of just, it just occurred to me as a series of words of like, that when we're commenting on movies or when we're commenting on stuff, that should really be in the narration, but in the scenes, we should be playing it earnestly, you know? And, uh, and I think that's how, for me, I think that's when we get the best results. Right. Yeah. That is, um, I remember I was teaching an intensive of movie once and they just did not want to like, buckle down, if you will, and be serious. And then about 90% of them were and 10% of them weren't. And it got to the point finally where like the, we were down to like everyone got it except for one person. And I just was, I was tired. It was an intensive. So I was like, look, either sit down <laughs> and watch what we're doing or like get on this train at this point. Um, you know, when I leave, it's fine. But for now, like I need you to take this journey with me and play these scenes. Like you said, in earnest, yeah, play it straight. And the funny, it's not funny. I don't, it's funny because, I mean, people laugh at improvised movie all the time, but not because we're telling like stand-up jokes. It's because they're connecting with the material. Yes. And I try to tell people that I think we're going for, sometimes we're going for a different kind of laugh. We're going for a laugh of recognition and a laugh of like, oh yeah, that's what movies are really like or whatever. Or yeah, I recognize that from my favorite movie or whatever. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to improvise this thing that, that sort of is, a, is an homage to another thing. And so we're trying to sort of hit it, like really hit it on target. Like this is really what movies are like. This is how plots work. This is how characters are. This is how the tropes happen and stuff and i try to tell my students that we're not reinventing the wheel you know what i'm saying there's plenty of good wheels we're just trying to use one of those wheels right so we're not trying to like we're not trying to make memento or inception although i think it's possible i think in general we're trying to make like things that are a little bit uh, a little bit more down the middle i think like a simple plot elegantly rendered is is a is a phrase that i come back to over and over again and i think that people associate with me and the improvised movie 
you know, a simple plot elegantly rendered. Like that's, that's really what makes sense. That's where we have, I think the most fun as players and as the audience. Right. And, and the, especially when we're first teaching the movie, if we keep it simple, it's much easier because the whole idea is after those first three scenes, we know how this ends. Right. So if it's super convoluted or we're trying to make inception or something, we're not like, not everyone's going to necessarily be on the same page. And so if we can just boil that down and keep it simple, then we can use all the other tools that movie has to really elevate the format. For sure. And it's like, it's just like, you know, you have kids and you're like, you know, just do a little bit of this work first and then it's going to pay off for you in the long run. Right. And that's it. I always come back to those first three scenes is that if we do a little bit of good foundation work at the beginning, we can see the end. So we know where we're going and we can head towards that target and we can have fun. It's when we can't see the end. We can't see the end from the beginning where we don't know where we're going. That's when the improvised movie is like work, work, work for you and for the audience. It's not as much fun for the audience because because they don't know like when it's going to be over. They don't know. First of all, they don't feel like they're in good hands because the movie's like wandering around like, oh, geez, is this going to go on for two hours like a movie or or will it not wrap up at all or whatever? But if they if they if you do that beginning work and you can see the end from the beginning, then you move in a way that is very deliberate and um, and forceful. And I think that it 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 makes the audience feel secure like they're in good hands and you can have more fun because you know where you're going so you can take little side trips and you can take little you know get stop here for a second and go there whatever but you kind of know your final destination so you can always get to it right so what do you think um so what I do when we when we fill a movie class is that we ask people to have some basic improv experience um, sometimes, uh, and I, I, I would never let someone who's never had, I, I shouldn't say I would never let someone, I would discourage them for their first, uh, improv class being improvised movie. Um, do you think that, what do you, do you have like a, this person should be, have this much experience to go into movie? Well, I think they should have, I mean, I, it's sort of hard to say because it's sort of gone all different ways. A couple of years ago at camp, I taught the movie class and there was that girl in class who it was her very first improv class ever. And it was an intensive. We did like 20, almost 24 hours in like a week or in a weekend or whatever. I don't know how many days was it was, four or four or five days. But um, it was like, it was like a lot of hours that we knocked out and it was her first improv class ever. And she did great, you know, but it's like, but like over the long haul, like the second movie and the third movie and the fourth movie and the fifth movie, would it all sort of keep shaking out? I don't know. I mean, ideally you want someone who who can do a, a good, solid two-person scene, someone who's done scene painting, maybe someone who's played in genre in some way, um, someone who's not afraid to like take some chances. You know, that's, that's sort of like what I think is my sort of ideal player student yeah yeah so with um the curriculum did you um i mean it's obviously changed since you first took it over yeah so what do you think has been like the biggest change for the curriculum um i think for me uh the biggest change has been sort of kind of how i teach scene painting and sort of um 
sort of codifying the camera angles a little bit more and the 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 um the scene pri- the camera angle primer that I use that's that hasn't always been part of it but I think sort of like showing all the camera angles back to back to back to back and sort of like oh this is what this is how they are different uh, I think that that has been a big help moving forward because people have a reference point to like remember when we did that in the primer oh right yeah that's that that's what that's supposed to look like and I can show them the physical sort of choreography of the different camera angles um, without having to stop them in the middle of something, you know, I can give them these tools and they, they, and then we sort of go forward and they sort of bang them out and try them out. Also, um, also I think sort of the uh, doing scenes with scene painting in genre uh, or just scenes with scene painting, sort of the having that as part of the curriculum per se, I think has really helped because that helps people get their timing a little bit together in terms of give and take between um, the players and the narrators. So I think that's been a super helpful um, exercise as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I, what I like about that exercise, I mean, cause that's, part of that exercise that's built in into movies is, is, is just scene painting in general and what's a give and take. But I like that exercise, what it does when you leave movie, right? Because it really helps the improviser focus on the give and take, which then just translates into every other thing they're doing. Um, yeah. And, and then it also really, um, for me, what I also really like with movie is how, you know, you got to get down to these little details, right? You've got to paint this picture for the audience because they're supposed to be watching a movie. And it really forces the improv student to start thinking and staying in the moment, right? So whenever we're talking about, so we always talk about this, like, idea of being in the moment, which sometimes is just this big idea cloud over them, right? Like, they don't really, it doesn't really click. And I feel like movie really forces it to click with the improv student because if they, they've got to paint what's happening right there because it's on camera uh, versus like letting the audience sort of put it in their head. Um, Sure. I I feel like, I feel like there's, I feel like there's two different parts. Like one is I feel like when you come out of the movie and go to other forms that you sort of have a better sense of the where in a lot of ways, because when you're starting a scene, especially at the beginning of the movie, you need a little business to keep you alive and keep you busy while you're being painted and narrated or whatever. And, and as the movie goes on, we're painting and narrating and sort of getting, we're just like seeing a really three dimensional sort of where and world that we're playing. in. I think that makes a difference to the work um, in, in, in a lot of ways when you see that. And then in terms of playing in the moment, I think that's totally true. And I think that that um, also once the movie gets going and it really gets moving, then then you don't have a lot of time to overthink things because it's it's all happening. You know, I do the man versus movie, the world's only one man improvised movie. And uh, and one of the things I've, I've that's really sort of helped me play in the moment because it goes super fast and I don't have a ton of time to overthink stuff and i just sort of respond to the you know i'm open to the to the creative process and i respond to things in the moment and even i try to give good gifts and play the gifts that i'm giving myself and and i think that you know i i I make tons of discoveries during the movie that i didn't 
think of, you know what I'm saying? That just happened. I played one the other day and I, you know, just made different discoveries throughout that I was surprising myself, which I, which I think is super fun. I think that's really great when you can surprise yourself in the, in the thing of it. And um, yeah. And part of like that, just that velocity sort of like it goes a little bit quick. And so you can't really overthink too much because you're gonna, it's going to just fl- flow right past you. Right. So um, with that in mind, I mean, the movie is a fast moving form. It's one of the reasons why I like it. How, how do you help the student? I mean, this because, you know, right. So like we lay out those first three scenes and then everything else, we can start to use like a quick vocabulary with it and we can, we can boil it down and keep moving. So how do you help the student who's struggling to keep up? Um, I will do um, in general, I don't think there's a, ton of that happening because i think people kind of find their way and and i feel like if they um i feel like there's usually something else going on like if they're if they're not if they're struggling with the tempo of the movie it means they're struggling with something else something else is taking up more of their consciousness than than it should because then they're um then they're focused on that instead of being in the moment you know what i'm saying like if they're having a hard time um like if they're a main character and they have a hard, hard time keeping up with the movie, well, that I think that sort of translates down to there's something about your your scenic work. Like you're, you're afraid to take chances, you're afraid to sort of put it out there, or a lot because a lot of times when I think people are like are struggling, I'll talk to them about it, and they're like, "Well, I didn't want to. Like, what if I say the wrong thing, or what if everyone's going this way and and I." you know, said this other thing, like, what about that? And I'm like, that doesn't matter. Like you have to just put it out there and everyone else's job is to make you look good and, and to help you you help make sense of that. But that's like, that's fear is like holding them back. I think there's, it's never, it's never to me, like someone just is like, Oh, it's going too fast. It's going too fast because of something else. Yeah, it does. I mean, and it, and it can be small. I mean, it could be like, I think it always, nine out of 10 times it comes out of scene work, but it could also be that like, they can't remember their camera angles. Right. Or they're, um, or they're not the main characters, but the main characters haven't been well-defined. So maybe it's a little muddled or that kind of thing. And we're not giving names to our characters. And yeah, I feel like that's, I feel like that's the case is like that, that we um, it's, it's never just the speed. It's the speed versus something else, you know? There's some there's some other hitch in the in the in the work that's that's making them not be able to sort of keep up the pace that they want to keep up or whatever. So I so I so I think I try I try to step back from that and say, well, well, what is the what is happening in the bigger picture? Like, is it the scene work? Is it the narration? Is it we're forgetting camera angles? Is it that the story's not laid out? Like I I I you know me, I'm a big believer in the basics, so I spend it probably inordinate amount of time on those first three then first six scenes and when we rehearse we come back and we play that again and because i feel like if we can get those first three to be amazing those first six to be amazing then the rest of it's easy after that because i i'm a big believer in that old saying that well begun is half done and and that's that's kind of how the movie is like if you start off on a good strong foot with a strong genre a strong hero a strong villain a, a, a an understandable complication like then we're we're off and running and it's it's hard to get off track at that point almost right yeah i i agree um 
so yeah, and I I want to come back to the because that also those things the hero the villain the complication that all comes down to also scene work and being clear with your partner, um, everyone being clear, everyone also then saying yes and getting onto that same page quickly. So when um, when you're because with movie you'll teach it in different ways. You'll teach it whether you have like. Sometimes that people are like, hey, do a three-hour workshop, a movie, uh, good luck, uh, or an intensive, or you get the luxury of having like several weeks. Um, how do you discern then if you're like, oh my god, these people's scene work is a mess? I've got to, I've got to ratchet back a bit. And do you have that just already built in, or do you just kind of see based on the class? I sort of try to. I mean. You know, everyone's coming from a different place, especially like at, at a festival or a, or a uh, like a camp or something where you have just a limited amount of time with people. Um, I think that you kind of just need to meet people where they're at, you know, because at a festival or a camp, especially you're trying to communicate um, some information that they can uh, get a hold of and bring back to their mothership. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to be like, Oh, I saw this thing and this is how this goes and blah, 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 you know? And probably they're not a, there's not eight people from an improvised movie team in that workshop together or at that camp together, you know? So I feel like my goals, I have different goals for different kinds of setups. Like if it's, if it's a three hour workshop where it's just people from around, from, from different locations, then I try to communicate like the broad strokes of here's how the camera angles work. And here's what's important about the first three scenes. Like those, I think are the, my two sort of big ideas. Um, and then, um, and then if I have like, if it's a workshop at a theater and I know that everyone's from the same theater, then I try to do those two things and maybe focus a little bit on, on scene work and sort of kick them off more towards like, maybe they want to start an improvised movie team. So I try to give them maybe a few more tools in that arena, you know, in my class, which is like a eight week class. Usually I, um, I try to, I try to do everything. I try to improve their scene work. We spend some of the, some of the, each class working just on regular scene work, giving gifts, playing big playable gifts and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I definitely try to, you know, whenever I come into contact with people, with students, improvisers, and I have time, I always try to improve their scene work in some way. What can I, what can I do um, to help them out and to sort of move their, move their journey forward, you know? And then on top of that, the camera angles and the plot and the, you know, and the scene painting, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it all starts with scene work. But I think that when I was younger and newer at this, I would always sort of go all the way back to the beginning. Like if people's scene work wasn't great, I would go all the way back to the beginning. And then ultimately I wouldn't sort of get to what it is that I really was there to do, you know? And so I try to kind of meet the people where they're at, try to steer them as much as I can and, and have really um, sort of appropriate goals for them and for me of what we can accomplish together in this time, in this framework and, uh, and like that, because ultimately I want people to have fun and, you know, fall in love with the movie a little bit like I have. And um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. So the in the movie, the characters have these big wants that are driving them right down the plot. But when we uh, are teaching, because both of us play from that same big playable gift um, 
you know, it's about the relationship and stuff. So if you've got students who have taken both sides of that with you, um, do you find that they get tripped up in the language at all? Or do you find that it's just, it's pretty easy to get them to think about a want or a drive? I mean, um, I think it's, I think just thinking about it, a, like what is a movie want or a movie drive, I think is, is the, is the big adjustment that people need to make. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the hardest thing for people to figure out. Like, like what's a, what's a good hero want? Well, love, justice, freedom, taking care of people, um, you know, this sort of thing. These are all like hero wants, good hero wants. I want to improve myself. I want to be the best I can be, you know, these sorts of things or whatever. And then what are villain wants? Well, villain wants are money, power, control, um, you know, domination, destruction, like all these sorts of things are good villain wants. Those are things that, oh, I get that, you know. But I think sort of trying to get people to to articulate that, just like with the big, big playable gifts, getting people to articulate that stuff out loud and clearly, I think is, is step one is like, what is it? What is it that you want? Because people get in the scene, they play the scene and they play the, like the moment of the scene and like whatever's happening in this micro, but they're not thinking of the macro. Like what's their job? Why am I in this scene? Well, my job is I need to get out a big villain want or a big hero want, you know? And I think that's where we get off track is like, you know, I, I always do the first three scenes and I say, okay, let's stop. Who is the hero? And then if, if people can't easily and instantly agree on that, that's problematic. Let's wind it back. What happened in that scene? Oh, it's funny. And you did this and that, but you didn't say what you're really after or what you're really about. And that's the thing we've got, we've got to say it out loud and we've got to say it out loud clearly. I think that's super important. I think that's one of the great lessons that comes out of the movie is that people can people get a little bit more used to saying things out loud clearly. You know, like we're discovering we're discovering it as we go, but once we've discovered it, let's say right the um, the whole like I'm trying to show it, uh, you know, maybe played a little coy or being nuanced. It doesn't that doesn't help us mm -hmm. if I need to know yeah. who this villain is. Let's get going. Just. Same. Right. Because we're not, it's not just our scene. It's not like, a, it's not like a Herald. It's in the sense that in a Herald, the three original scenes are generally like unconnected. And then they sort of like move towards connection or they move towards, or we understand more and more of how they're connected in the beginning of the movie. We need to flip that a little bit. And we need to start off with some, some sort of like resonance between those scenes like i don't want them to connect like i'm gonna destroy that community center i love the community center i'm gonna save it no matter what like it's too it's too on the nose but but those things those wants need to be like on a collision course in the same world you know and and and, and it needs to drive those characters in some way yeah yeah it's um i yeah for me i love it because it just it does it it brings out all these skill sets that just transfer so well to um to your other forms such as it also breaks the habit of just two people standing you know in that side position yeah. right like we totally. have to physically turn front because we're we're watching you on screen like it's constantly reminding that student 
you're on screen, turn, you're on screen, turn. Right, and which, also not just turn, but stay alive. What is yeah. it that you're that you're doing, especially at the beginning of the first three scenes? I can always come back to this. In the beginning of the first three scenes, you need to have a little bit of business to do. A little, a little activity or something keeps you alive so that when people are painting you, you're not just standing there like a post. You know, but you're a person, you were sort of like, it's all coming into focus at once, but it's like, it's a, it's a living thing that we're joining it already in progress, you know? And so, and so we need to have that little bit of business that keeps us alive and keeps it, keeps the interest up while we're being painted and while we're sort of like settling into those first three scenes, you know? And then, yeah. And, and I think that that idea of having some business, I think would be a great addition to regular scene work or other long forms because, because yeah, that, that idea of just standing there, two people standing there, arms crossed, talking to each other is like, what are we doing? Come on now. You know, I think it's, it's the most boring thing to watch. Yeah. Well, and not just in movie. <laughs> so Right. All the time. Right. Um, do you uh, do you think the format itself has like a sweet spot for the number of teammates on a on a movie team? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think probably maybe six to eight or ten somewhere in there. Okay, that's kind yeah. of like the zone we've been, we've been playing in lately with the class I'm, I'm working with. When I played in Chicago, we had that same kind of zone and. And um, we came out here, that same kind of zone. There's like six of us or whatever. And then um, and then the class I'm playing with, that I'm working with now, has around, you know, six to like eight or nine. And that seems to be a pretty good amount of people. Because you don't want, generally, you don't want so few people that everyone's overwhelmed and they're playing like so many different characters. And they're like, oh, I just got out of the scene, but now I need to come back into the next scene, which is possible. It totally can work, but... I think um, you want to spread it around a little bit. And it's also easier. I think it's a tiny bit easier for the audience to watch when like the hero's one guy and his sidekick is a, another guy and the villain's another guy and the, and the, his sidekick's another guy and the complication is like, it's like actually spread out amongst different actual people. I think it's a, I think it's a tiny bit easier to watch. And also uh, it helps us, it helps the characters. They automatically differentiate because it's different players. By, by the same token though, you don't want too many people because then people, uh, not in a mean or weird way, that people just aren't getting time on stage. And so they're, so they're kind of lean back a little bit. Now you want to sort of, you want everyone to feel like they're a little bit under the gun. They're a little bit under pressure. Um, but not so much they're overwhelmed. So I find like six to six to eight, nine, ten is kind of like the zone I that I like. Yeah, and then it also I opens up room for like if you're not in the scene, you can be background, you can be painting, you can be doing the camera angles. Sure. So yeah. So and also gives- on a pragmatic level, like if you have like you know four people on your team and two people can't make it, or one person can't make it, you know, or right. if you have like you know just it helps you in this pragmatic way too. I mean, it's, it's that terrible that we should plan for that, but I think that happens sometimes. But it's improv and that's kind of how that goes. So, I mean, and that's why also like when I fill any class or when I teach any class, um, I prefer my classes to be a little bigger just because I know people are going to be absent from week to week. Sure. And also yeah. I think that it, in a, in a, this is a side note, but I feel like a class needs a certain amount of people to feel like a thing. Yeah. 
Like, if it's not enough people, it doesn't feel like a thing. It just feels like, oh, we're kind of getting together. We're doing this or that. And that number of people changes from class to class, from teacher to teacher, from city to city. But right. I think there is a there is a number. And if it's not that number, it doesn't feel like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also that I, to tag onto that, it's also like, um, like you say, like city to city, but also like level to level. Right. Because like. Sure. For a level one, if you have four people, that's going to be a lot more difficult than if you've got people who are like in an advanced conservatory and four people show up. Right. You can do a lot with those people. Yeah. Right. Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, when you do have large, because this is a teaching podcast, when you do have those large movie classes um, and you have the time, do you specifically try to make like... Because let's say you have a 15-person movie class. You're not going to put all 15 up at once. You're probably going to do seven and seven. Um, Do you try to – do you just say seven up or do you try to mix it strategically? I usually just say uh, seven up. Okay. Or eight up or whatever. Um, And also I'll say this. uh, Sometimes uh, rather than um, cutting the class, depending on what I'm doing – rather than cutting the class in half, sometimes I'll cut the class by two thirds. So I'll say like, Oh, 10 or 11 people up. And then I'll rotate out. Like, so you'll do it like two times, two out of three times. Okay. But each, but each with a little bit larger team. I find that works a lot. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Just because people tend. I don't know how to say this nicely. Um, sometimes students will steer away from other students, right? And uh, I, when I'm the teacher, I want them all to be playing with each other so that you can learn to play with everyone and everything at, at, at all times. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I actually like that two-thirds thing so that they can get um, – so they get more and then they get to play with everybody and then you don't have to worry about that as a teacher. Yeah, and we've also been we've also been doing that with our shows because the class was like just small enough that cutting it in half would be like it was like some people were traveling and stuff and so cutting it in half would be like six. So uh-huh. that's just a little bit shorthanded for I think a brand new team. So I've been doing it by by basically by two thirds. So it's like people play two out of three shows and um and the teams are a little bit fuller. And also there's there's some people from the previous show in the next show. So it's like they carry a little bit of momentum, I find, yeah, too. got it. Yeah, that um, makes sense. You know, sort of like a lot of inexact, uh, not sciencey things, but sort of my feeling about kind of like what, what I've been observing. Right. What? Um, why do you think students uh, – fall back on action genre when, when we're trying to, I guess, I guess one thing we should say is uh, each time you do an improvised movie, you're also trying to nail down what genre of movie it is. Uh, so sure, whether absolutely. you're doing an action or a horror or, um, and all that. And, and you and I both come from a place where we try to avoid doing like a rom-com or anything comedic. Right. Here, cause I, as I tell my students all, all the time, cause there was a, a woman in my last class who was like, how about a rom-com? And I was like, that's a great idea. But it's like, I think it's, it is such a delicate or sort of a specific kind of target to hit because you, you really want to do a real rom-com, not a parody of a rom-com, you know? And so you're trying to really slice it so finely. I said, I said, let's let's just put that on the back burner for now. Once we have a really strong handle on the movie, then 
Yeah, then let's look at stuff like rom-coms or straight-up dramas or whatever and kind of see what we make out of that. But I think sort of the what I think is an easier target to hit or an easier thing to, uh, to use as a teaching tool is super clear, big genres that, ha- that have like tropes that we can get a handle on, that have sort of like recognizable things like, oh, yeah, that's from an action movie or that's from a Western or whatever. And I try to use those as teaching tools because it's like you can tell if you're doing it or not. Right. Right. You There's know? those signposts for the student. Yeah. And I yeah. And I start I always start with with the Western because I think the Western has so much. Uh, going on from like from like the way that it looks to the scenery to the to the costumes to the plots to the characters the co- all that stuff is so so kind of in, in, entrenched in us that we have a people have a whether they've seen a ton of westerns or not they used to have a pretty good sense of of what a western kind of looks like or kind of feels like you know and then, and then we sort of move from there I usually move through the big ones that we do in my class are western um, action, horror, uh, sci-fi, those for sure. Sometimes like a, a mo- like a cop or a mobster movie, something like that. You know, it sort of depends on how much time we have. But those are generally the, the big ones that I think we sort of start with. Right. So, uh, well, one thing that um, I remember that you said once a long time ago, and it just always has stuck with me, is that especially when we're first learning to do this and because you're coming to an improv show, no one wants to watch Kramer and Kramer versus Kramer. (laughs) It's just like, I don't want to do heavy. I mean, unless we're really specifically doing heavy hitting drama, if we're setting up a blockbuster fun film, you know, getting really dramatic, isn't necessarily where we want to start with the audience, especially if we're training the audience. Right. But that, but that being said, that being said, if there was a, a team that wanted to devote themselves to, dramas or the one to devote themselves to rom-coms or the one to devote themselves to one of these like more sort of um specific genres i i totally think it's doable but um that sort of as a teaching consideration when i'm trying to reach the broadest audience i try to use the the simplest tools and i think that that like action movies and sci-fi movies and westerns and horror movies are simple because it's like oh in a horror movie these kind of things happen in a western these kind of things happen um but and in a rom-com's got plenty of tropes uh plot wise but it's like you know you're it's tricky because we're trying to do like a comedy about a comedy and the and the the trap is to pitch too low and then it's just goofball central and you don't want to do that. You want to sort of that. That's what I think is, is the hardest part about doing like a rom-com or something like that is that you're trying to sort of cut this really fine slice of an idea of like, well, it's funny, but, and we're sort of paying homage to the movies, but we're not sending it up. But to, but to really sort of make it pop out from the background, we kind of need to blow it up a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know. Now that we're just talking about it, like, I feel like if someone was going to do a rom-com, uh, improvised movie rom-com, they would just really do a straight up rom-com. Right. And not, and not, not move the target, like try to just really actually do it. You know? And I, I, and I love that idea. I, I totally love that idea because, you know, something I watching the movie and doing the movie and sort of being deep in the movie lately, I've been thinking a lot more about it. And, 
you know, it really makes me think about the the things that Dell said of like the different that, you know, we can make people laugh and that's great and that's awesome. But what other emotions can we invoke or evoke in the audience? And um, when we can evoke like wonder or horror or suspense or like <gasps> excitement, like that's that's all worthwhile, too. And, and we have to reset our improviser compass a little bit because our compass usually points towards laughs, which is great, which is great. But when we're playing it differently, even for myself doing man versus movie, when I, when I go down a different road and I'm sort of like getting after a different emotion, I have to keep my, myself on track of not being like, Oh shoot, no one's laughing. Are they liking this or whatever? I just can't worry about that. I just need to do the work that I believe in, in the way that I believe in doing it. And then, and then at the end, then then I'll think about it. Then I'll judge it or or look back on it and see kind of what's up with it. But a lot of times, I think most of the time people like that. They they like to see something different. They like to see something that's not jokey, jokey, jokey. And for my personal <laughs> personally, when I'm doing man versus movie, and I and it's like a, an action movie or a suspense movie, and I can like it's fast, 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 and then slow or stops. And there's like silence in the theater and you can sort of feel like that there's, there's actual real tension happening. I feel like I've really done my job. I feel like, wow, I really did it there. It's really, it, people are really watching this like a movie. I've really drawn them in and sort of um, the, uh, the illusion is, has come, (laughs) has really realized, you know? Yeah. Uh, So what, what is your theory on why students default to action genre? Oh, because it's super clear. It's super clear. It's super clear. It has like super, um, super clear genres. Like we know like, like, oh, it's like, you know, that action guy, he's a, oh, he's an ex seal or whatever. And he, you know, there's, there's this kind of scene where this happens and there's that kind of, there's like a gear up scene. There's like a, oh, there's guns and shooting and explosions. And, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to, uh, to do that. And also the, the other thing about an action movie generally is an action movie is action driven. Right. That an action movie isn't, isn't talking your way through the problem. It's doing your way through the problem, taking action through yeah. the problem. So I think that it's, it's super simple. And it also, I think a lot of action movies take place in present day. So when we see a scene, that's like, Oh, two people talking on a, on a park bench and they're just chit chatting and like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then someone makes the decision to have a laser sight on that one guy's head and is, and he gets assassinated from 200 meters away. Like, Oh shit. Okay. I guess this could be an action movie, you know, <laughs> as opposed to like, you know, where, it's like, well, it's modern day. Well, it can't be a Western and it's like not this. And it's not, you know, it's just like, it's easy to make anything an action movie. Right. Start right. shooting, right. just start shooting. And there you go. You know? <laughs> so I think, I think that action movie is like super clear and has like a lot of tropes that we know and, um, and it's action driven. It has a lot of support, I think for the players and it built into it. Do you have any specific movies uh, that you tell students they should watch when they're going through this class? Um, yeah, I think, uh, let's see for, um, for, uh, I, I think that a really good parody movie or sort of a a movie that has insight, insight into the different genres, I think is really interesting. I will, when we're doing action, I'll recommend, um, 
uh, a hot fuzz because I think that's a really insightful movie. It really shows like, oh, here's what the here's what the tropes are of action movies a lot, you know, um, or if it's a horror movie, I'll, there's a movie called uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which I think is really interesting because it flips the genre. But in flipping it, it sort of shows what a lot of the tropes are of horror movies. I think that's of like slasher horror movies. I think that's really interesting, you know, Um so I think those I think those kinds of things are, are really helpful. I recommend those two for sure. And then um, past that, I'm trying to think. Uh, when I talk about westerns, I I usually end up talking about Silverado because I think that's a really sure. interesting movie. I think that has a lot of really interesting sort of tropes in it, and it's sort of it's just modern enough that they're kind of like like they're kind of like showing you oh here's here's some tropes that we know and flipping them or whatever um i like silverado a ton also young guns i like a ton because i think it shows something like oh look it's a really specific kind of western it's a handsome young guy western like oh that's interesting that's something different um or let's see for action movies i always come back to like die hard or one of the big like schwarzenegger movies i think those are pretty amazing like just really by the numbers you know, if you watch like Commando or something like that, you get a sense of what an action movie is. You know, Die Hard is a great action movie too. Um, and um, and it's also a Christmas about, movie, so it's a good time of year. Right, no, but not according to Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> well, he's wrong. Let me think. Let me think of what else. Um, Do you have a sci-fi one? Yeah. A sci-fi one, I usually try to get people to watch Star Wars again. New Hope, like even though you, like even, original, movie? even if. Yeah, yeah. Even if you've seen it, watch it with this in mind and see what kind of occurs to you while you're while you're watching it. I like Star Wars a ton for that. Um, I also think it has a lot of our uh, modern sci-fi tropes have come out of Star Wars, mm-hmm. so I think it's important to kind of know that movie a little bit. Um, we can add Rampage to the list these days, can't we? <laughs> yeah Ramp- rampage is like its own thing <laughs> but um, it's like literally though i remember i was sitting in the theater i was like oh my god this is like by the book right like he just right. wants to be left yeah. alone with his gorilla right right <laughs> for sure and then later on later on they reveal that he's ex-military right. like where did that come from of course that's perfect for them. right and- you know there's also like another great another movie that does that in a really fun great way is um under siege yes where steven seagal cook on the ship and you're like what and then and then you find out later that he's like oh gosh he's x x seal x this x that because it, but he couldn't he just he couldn't respect authority and so you know that that's why he, right. he's was drummed out of the military or whatever that's great uh yeah those b movies a lot of times really yeah. hit uh how how we come about it um do you have it's like it's like that old thing about adapting a book where they say good book bad movie right um or bad book good movie because if the if the book is too good then it's like you're trying to get too much on on screen right you know you're trying to sort of be too faithful to the book but if the book is like okay it has like a little something in it then it's easier to make it into a good movie because it's uh you're you're freer with it you take you take the one good idea out of it and you sort of really make it you know really blow it out and same thing with like with b movies it's like oh look this is really uh, watching it as a consumer, you're like, oh, this is so by the numbers. But watching it as a student of the improvised movie, you're like, oh, this is so by the numbers. Right. <laughs> and it really jumps out at you. Um, do you have a favorite exercise uh, when teaching an improvised movie? 
Um, I think it's either um, it's either um, scenes like uh, doing a scene and then replaying it, but now adding scene painting. I think that one really helps out a lot or just really drilling on those first three scenes, opening with a wide and then medium and a two and then the characters and then the, you know, the big one and then cutting to the next one. The really, I really drill on those first three scenes a lot, even in rehearsals. Once, even once we've been in performance for a while and, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. I keep coming back to those first three scenes to keep improving those because that's really, that's really the foundation. If that's not strong, then, <laughs> then it's just trouble ahead. But um, you know, and, and I feel like you can make lemonade all day, but making lemonade is exhausting. Wouldn't it be fun just to play? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that comes back to those first three scenes. So I, I, I drill on those a lot. And then also when I'm very, very first teaching, I do like doing a scene and then playing it back and, and adding a genre onto mm-hmm. it or whatever. Right. It's like, okay, you two are in a grocery store. Okay, great. Play that for like a minute or two. Okay. Now let's replay this scene, replay this scene, but now it's a horror movie paint it and and narrate it and whatever like it's a horror right yeah 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 those are awesome things uh Mm -hmm. cool um any thing uh that you think we skipped over for it oh um so there's one thing that is sort of a new thing i wanted to tell you that i've just been thinking about was um at our sorry at our last rehearsal we were working on not surprisingly, the first three scenes, and um, they just kept coming up generic, mm. you know, sort of like not really clear hero wants or villain wants or or not really clear genres or whatever. It just wasn't getting there, and so I realized that that at the next rehearsal, what I want to do is um, is is sort of deliberately ha- get two people up to do a to do a scene that is like sort of deliberately uh, vanilla, deliberately sort of neutral and then like, and have them play for like a minute and then sort of give the signal. And then I want other players to come either come in as other characters or narrators, whatever. And I want them with the narration and maybe an entrance, a strategic entrance to help them nail down what is the genre of this movie or what is the, who's, are they hero or the villain or the complication? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because I think, I think that happens a lot. I think that happens a lot because um, that specific dynamic, because people get out there and they're sort of like in it and they're like, uh, they're, they've got a lot to keep track of. They're doing an entire scene as part of this other thing. And they're like trying to think of all these different things or whatever. But I think, so I think that sometimes they get out there with the best of intentions and then they just kind of like forget kind of what their job is a little bit and they need a little nudge. To, to help them out. And I think that sometimes their partner can do that. Like Mr. Mayor, I, I've been your assistant for 20 years and I know that no matter what you'll resort to anything to become the next president of the right. United States. And I'm going to be here right. by your side. Okay, great. We know that guy's power hungry and I'm basically putting words in my partner's right. mouth. Right. But sometimes my partner isn't, isn't a ton of help, you know, because we're both kind of like caught up in whatever the scene is. So I wanted to sort of really work on this idea, like how can I, when I'm not on the hot seat, still help out and give information without stealing the scene, without making it about me, how can I sort of help them nail down genre, help them nail down if they're the hero, the villain or the complication and 
by by entrances or, or strategic painting and sort of make that happen. So that's that's a, that's a new exercise that I'm going to work on with my with my group and um, something that I think is really addressing a very common. Well, we do it. We've actually started to do something like that just with with the my Herald team uh, within first beat, sure. right? So if they're sort of just floundering and the triangle isn't nailed down and we don't know what their playable gifts is, uh, I'm encouraging players to come in and like do a walkthrough where they drop, be like, oh, Susie, you're so boom and walk away, you know, or scene paint uh-huh. a little to give them a little bit if their wear isn't there so that they can then also start to hit it because otherwise that two, right? Like that beat one is also going to be in a lot of trouble and we're going to have, yeah. Sure, very much yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, um, So I really like that that's opening up um, within movie also. Right. And then we're also sort of, we're also sort of looking out for each other as an ensemble. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're really trying to help each other, make each other look good. And part of that in this case is, is sort of helping them, giving them a little leg up on their, on their scene, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's when the movie looks the best is when everyone's sort of like, everyone's doing everything and we're all helping each other out and we're all kind of involved in each right. scene. You know, in some way, a little bit of narration, uh, then I'll, I'll narrate and you're in the scene and then we'll switch. And then now now I'm going to enter for a second as a character and then leave and then just all that, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so it's like really look at the whole picture and we're really kind of involved in the whole picture, playing all those. Like one thing about the improvised movie is that you're the writer, the actor, the director, the cinematographer, all those things. Right. You know, and so this exercise kind of like keeps that in mind of like playing all those roles all the time. Yeah. Not like, oh, I'm a main character, so I'm done. I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be the main character. That's not gonna help you. Like you still need to be servicing other other pieces right. of the puzzle. Yeah, that's why I also really enjoy movie because if you're just in that mode anyways, you go to another form, you're already in that mode and yeah, all that becomes For so sure. Much Absolutely. Uh all right. So um because it's a podcast, where can people find you? Um people can find me um uh, if you want to hear about the Revolution Theater, you can go to therevolutiontheater.com or uh, Revolution Theater on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to find out more about me, you can check me out on Facebook, Paul Valencourt on Facebook. Um, also, you can check out my free improv tips on YouTube at P as in Paul, V as in Valencourt, PV Improv uh, on YouTube. Uh, and I'm at What's Up with PV on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's it. That's, that's everything anywhere, anywhere you look. And also you can check out my book called the triangle of the scene available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback version. 